podcast brought to you by Reformed Theological Seminary in Washington, D.C., part of a 50-plus year endeavor to train pastors and other church leaders in the ministry of the gospel in the United States and around the world. My name is Scott Redd. I'm president and professor of Old Testament here, and I'm joined by my good friends, Dr. Peter Lee and Dr. Tommy Keene, colleagues here at the faculty podcast and on the faculty of RTS Washington. And I had a a pleasant experience last week. I was at a conference downtown DC and there's a bunch of undergraduate students there and met several actually who said that they loved the podcast and um, uh, it it was strange to hear my voice and see my face. And I realized there's all these people who I also listen to and I know their voices very well, but I, I don't get to see their face a lot. And so actually running into some of our listeners was great. And, and one of the comments that one of them uh, said to me was, you know, I'd love to hear a little bit more about what's going on actually at RTS DC, which of course is a nice, a nice softball pitch low and slow across the plate <laughs> for me. And uh, I thought, let's, let's do that. And so as we were talking and planning for this episode, we decided let's talk a little bit about not only taking classes at RTS, but some of the unique challenges and opportunities that arise taking classes at RTS and how, how we advise students to uh, go about facing those challenges. We all have those meetings pretty regularly in our offices with students who are trying to figure out, okay, so how do I maximize my time here at RTS? Before we even get to that, I would like to start with um, sort of introducing this idea of taking classes. We have a lot of people who know us in a variety of different ways, whether it's through the podcast or uh, some of the Bible studies that we do in the area, or they worship in churches where we as a faculty preach. And I, I regularly hear about people wanting to take classes, maybe even auditing classes, but not um, not pulling the trigger and coming and enrolling as a student. And I would say there's actually a, a very easy process for that. If you're interested in taking classes for credit, um, it's not hard to start that conversation. As a matter of fact, there is a link here regularly in the mm-hmm. show notes for this podcast, and you can start the application process. And it's a pretty streamlined process. We can move you through quickly, and we'd love to have you in class with us. And if you're in the D.C. area, that's easy or relatively easy. Uh, you can get into our classes um, right here. Uh, if you're outside the D.C. area, there's other options available to you as well. You can come in for the week-long intensives that we do in the winter and the summer. You can take classes on different campuses. RTS has campuses all over the Southeast United States and New York and Washington, D.C. as well, including Orlando and Charlotte, Jackson, Mississippi, Houston, Dallas, Texas, um, Atlanta, Georgia. We have campuses that are offering high-quality confessional and biblical education in those major cities. And those cities are chosen for a reason. They're hubs, uh, both national and international hubs where we can move, uh, we can access students and make classes available to people, not only in the United States, but around the world. We also have a great global program. So if you wanna take classes online, we've got a full Masters of Arts curriculum available to you online. And you can find out about and, and, and dive into RTS, even by just going to the RTS app. There's an RTS mm-hmm. app at the App Store and in the Play Store. And you can download that and get access to a bunch of these classes for free. So we'd invite you to uh, to consider that if you're interested in taking classes or getting more engaged in theological education at RTS. Um, we'd love to help you do that. I'd also just add to that that a lot of our students or a lot of our prospective students 
think that you know signing up for classes, joining the RTS community, is sort of committing them to the five course meal that is the MDiv. And that is not necessarily the case. You see an elective that you like, you can enroll as a special student, and you get a certain number of classes that you can take as a special student without committing to any sort of degree program. We also have three course meals uh, with the MABS and the MAR, and you can even come just for uh, the dessert of your choice. We've got various certificate programs that will allow students to engage Begin in their begin in the community and then kind of tailor it to what whatever you want. We actually also can do it in such a way it's a meal to go. Uh, if you record your lecture, <laughs> I like how you're riffing on this. Yeah. Well, thank you. It uh, I I like to streamline our thinking. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, if you attend a class um, and you record it, uh, um, and you can listen to that as you're driving. Now, I mentioned the idea of listening as you're driving because uh, we may have people who are. Not quite in the D.C. area, but maybe in uh, south of us in Virginia and definitely in Maryland, that might be a little intimidating because of the distance. But there is a way to maximize or redeem that the commuting time. Mm -hmm. Record your lectures and you can listen to that as you're driving. It, you actually would be amazed how much you learn mm -hmm. and even study and prepare for uh, exams by just listening to lectures over and over again. And And honestly, when I graduate from seminary, this is sort of what I did. And I practically prepared for my ordination exams by listening to seminary classes hmm. like five times, but it was great, and and yeah. and uh, and I and that was really real special. Yeah, I did that too. I, I recorded. It wasn't easy back the back then. To it was cassette tapes, right? No, I, I did it on my computer, but it was uh, it was not easy to do. It took all kinds of hardware. But you're right, and you can go back over that material over and over again. And it, uh, there is something to the fact that we're trying to make classes as available and accessible as possible. So I even should say that you might think, well, I can't do grad school. I work during the day. Well, a lot of our classes are offered at night. A lot of them are offered on weekends, not all of them, but we try to make the whole curriculum available to people, even people who are working a nine to five in Washington, DC. And so we have multiple modalities uh, in, in terms of the way that mm -hmm. you take classes. And um, you might be surprised if you come check out our course offerings, exactly how easy it is to take a class at RTSDC. Now, one of the things that's unique, and it's in part to make things easier, for our students in terms of how to take classes. But one of the, thing that's, the things that's kind of unique about the RTS system is that we don't have a ton of prerequisites for our classes. So in other words, we set up our classes so that you can take them in multiple different orders. Now there are some suggested uh, you know, kind of order for taking classes. Um, obviously the languages have prerequisites. You have to take Hebrew one before you take Hebrew two. And yet we try to offer each of our classes as a sustained, all-inclusive experience. And that raises some questions with our students. Okay, so if I'm not doing full-time, uh, you know, a freshman year slate of classes that's already pre-decided for me, how should I think about scheduling? What are, what are the things I should take into consideration as I'm scheduling my classes at RTSDC? So I want to pass it over to Dr. Tommy Keene. Um, Tommy, you've had this conversation a lot, I know, with students as academic dean and just explaining mm -hmm. and advising them on sort of best practices. So let me pass it over to you first. Yeah, I mean, I, I would just echo our that flexibility there is a great strength because you can jump in kind of at any spot depending upon your interests, depending upon what's available to you, depending upon what your uh, student learning 
kind of ethos is. So it's it it makes seminary accessible to a wide variety of students that it wouldn't otherwise be accessible to. But of course, as you're scheduling, it's now that flexibility is now a decision tree of complexity that you've right. got to kind of figure out. Add to that the and again, this is also for students. Like we do this for our students, we offer different kinds of classes. We offer kind of traditional, we're, we're a bit night school, we're a bit regular graduate school, and we're a bit summer school all rolled into one. Right. We offer regular weekly um, classes from one to four, from evening classes, seven to 10, and they meet every week in the kind of the traditional manner. But we also have intensives that meet for a, for a week long, and then you do your homework kind of on your own. Uh, in the summer and in the January term. And we also sprinkle those in through fall break, spring break, and we do some weekend kinds of things. So, and as you said, Scott, we try to have the whole program offered in each of those formats at least once every three or so years. So if you're like an only intensive student, you can still complete a degree uh, through the kind of robust scheduling that we have here. But again, like that makes it, challenging to know when should I take what. So I've got kind of a three-point guideline that I've been giving students for a while now that seems to be, it's not going to fit everybody. It's not one size fit all, but it seems to fit most. One one size fits most. Um, so three-point here, spiel. Um, and the first one, especially in the DC area, is to listen to your schedule. Everybody's doing something else. Uh, we've got a lot of part-time pastors here. We've got a lot of full-time pastors who take classes here. We've got lawyers and um, med uh, doctors we've got you know we've got it all and, and y'all are doing a ton of other things let don't 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 so look for doing things in the ideal way that you miss an opportunity um, listen let, let your schedule kind of guide you that's okay God wants us to be guided by the logistics of of what we can do and when we can do it. So if there's a class, maybe it's an intensive and those intensives don't come around as much and it fits your schedule, you know, grab it. And don't worry too much about, oh, well, I don't want to do Acts, Romans before I've done the Gospels. You, you, it's okay. Yeah. It'll all sort out in the wash and 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 go for it. Let Listen to your schedule. Uh, point two is listen to your interests, especially at the beginning stages of seminary um, where where you're most likely perhaps to get overwhelmed, let your let your natural inclination, your natural desire, your natural interests, intellectual interest in various subjects, propel you through the class. You know, if you're just super interested in Genesis to Deuteronomy, even when you hit those bumps, you're going to just have the equipment necessary to keep going. Uh, so listen to your interest, and that's especially with electives. Um, you, we we have we give you a, a good selection of electives here, and we've got a we can talk about this. We've tried to be very diverse in the selection of electives that we offer. Mm -hmm. um, so when those electives come up, and and they just hit your uh, your interest level or your expertise in a way that uh, you know grab it because it might not come come around again. So listen to your listen to your schedule, listen to your interests, and finally. Listen to the program. Listen to your program. You're an MABS. You're an MDiv. All of those classes have little numbers next to them. Um, when all other things being equal, 
pick the lower numbers first. Yeah. Um, it's as simple as that. Whatever, you know, if you're in New Testament, pick the lower number. It's better to take Gospels before Hebrews to Rev, all things being equal. You can jump into Hebrews to Rev at any time, but pick those lower numbers first if you can. Um, and I think you'll be doing doing pretty well. There's a couple of classes that I would say, you know, that we can talk about that I'd say definitely do these first. Um, but in general, wherever you are in the department listing, systematic theology, New Testament, Old Testament, PT, try to aim for those lower numbers. Mm -hmm. I would totally agree The uh, in terms of um, the flexibility of the schedule, fit your schedule, fit your rhythm, fit your interest. Uh, and I think those are real good sound advices. I, I would definitely encourage, uh, Tommy, what you mentioned about uh, electives. Mm. They don't come up every year. Uh, you know, we'll have maybe one elective that'll be offered every three years or something like yeah. that, depending on the interest. So if, if there is an elective that you that a student finds interesting, uh, I'd say grab it, prioritize it, because the regular core classes are going to be offered pretty st steadily every year. Yeah. The electives are not, so they may be a little more random, and who knows when some of them might be offered again. So if you see one that you like, that you think is really interesting, uh, grab that and make that uh, a priority uh, in your scheduling. Uh, the other thing I wanted to emphasize maybe in light of what, and uh, just kind of piggybacking on what you shared was that there are certain classes that do make some benefit, there's benefit to starting with certain classes earlier in your seminary curriculum or in your seminary experience and one of the classes I definitely encourage students to try to prioritize early is um, our class on, on on an introduction to pastoral and theological studies. Uh, it's sort of a, a primer to seminary education in general. Uh, it's also taught by our campus president, Scott Red. Uh, you know, Scott, you do that pretty pretty consistently every year. It's a good class to take to get an introduction to theological education as a whole. It's a great way to meet you because I know you're a strong advocate for students. So for students to meet you and to uh, for you to meet them is definitely a relationship that is to the student's advantage to have as they begin their seminary career. Yeah, I love teaching that class. And it means that everybody, no matter what program you're in, comes through and and has to take that class. And, and you know, even the way that I teach that, and this is true, it's the pedagogical decision that we all have to make when we're teaching these classes without prerequisites is that you have to teach them inclusively. And so you have to teach it uh, in light of someone maybe taking this class as their first class at seminary and maybe it's their 15th class. And I think, I think you're right. Uh, in best case scenario, they take it early in their studies because I do teach it as a kind of table of contents, mm -hmm. you know, a, a roadmap for what seminary is going to be dealing with. Um, both in terms of academic issues and practical theology, you know, personal issues. What does it mean to be a follower of Christ studying theology? Um, however, I do have to teach it because I have to keep in mind that every once in a while, someone takes it after a couple of years at RTS. One time I had a student take it as their last class their at RTS. It was their capstone. <laughs> and that affects the way I teach it. So I teach it so that it can be a table of contents, but it can also be tying up loose ends and um, I'm proud to say that that student came up after and said, you know, I didn't realize how these things related yeah. to each other yeah. until I took this class. So it, 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 and all of our professors have that expertise to do that. They, we can teach the classes so that you can step into Pauline epistles, even if you haven't taken Acts and Romans already. Yeah. You can step in and you can 
you can handle it because the prof is, uh, I, lo I love the way we teach that way. The prof is bringing in the issues that you need to know ahead of time. Now, of course, with that said, having more background, having more intellectual um, foundation for these materials is going to make you be able to have a deeper engagement. But we do class. also have students who, uh, for different reasons, actually take a class twice. Um, and as as you were just talking about, it did dawn on me that, it, you know, the way that uh, we advise students to take classes, it can feel a little scattered in, in terms of... Um, the strat the 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 flow you, you know it'd be ideal if they can start for example with with gospels mm -hmm. then acts and paul or acts and romans paul hebrews to rev or, or you know yeah, there is a certain logic yeah. in in general but very rarely do our student schedules allow for that kind of ideal pattern if they ended with ipt the intro uh, pastoral theological studies. It is a way to kind of take all that data that might be a little scattered, mm -hmm. sort of like a jigsaw puzzle laid out on the floor in yeah. pieces, take the class and kind of put it together again and, and help them kind of put together the five or three to five years of seminary and, um, and, and kind of put it into a holistic picture. So I, I guess the class is great as a way to start, yeah. or it's a great way to kind of summarize, you know, what did I just kind of go through? And if and I mean to a certain well, degree, I think a student can do start. that on their own. It's, it's better better to start. It. Yeah, you're, yeah, you're absolutely right on that. That's the best way. I would okay. say uh, the ideally it'd be great to start with it, yeah. but to end with it is not a bad way to kind of put a capstone on seminary. And, it works, but it's not best case scenario. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that's the you know the five course meal analogy. I don't think I've ever had an actual five course meal where they bring you each course you know, individually, but this is a, it's a good analogy because you're getting all five courses at RTS, but often for, for a lot of our students, it's going to be laid out like a buffet line, not like, That's right. you know, right. brought to you individually. And, you know, your goal is to, to get everything on your plate, right? And, right. You, and, and then you can eat your eight eight year old daughter, you started the dessert side of the buffet. And there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. There's right. nothing wrong. Upside down dinner. There's nothing wrong yeah. with that. Actually, you're getting you're getting the nourishment the same way, even though the experience of it might feel a little bit more chaotic. Um, and I like, I mean, the, just a, a further plug. I mean, obviously, there's the accessibility for not having hard prerequisites. There's a bit of a loss in the sense that you're not building on something they just took the previous semester, and you know everyone in the class took that same class. Though even my friends at schools where they have strict prerequisites will say you still have to do intro material on the front end because people forget stuff over Christmas break and summer break and you have to do the intro anyways. But I also like the fact that as I'm teaching, I've got students in the class who are at different stages of their seminary education and they're helping each other. And so the, the people who are earlier yeah. in are hearing from the more mature, farther along students, and they're getting to interact and sharpen one another. And it, I think it raises the discourse of the whole class. Yeah. I wanted to put a question to the two of you about languages. It's one that I get a lot. Okay, I get the general principles, your schedule, your interests, your program. Where do I put the languages ideally in the RTS kind of rhythm? Um, obvious, you know, Interestingly, you can take Gospels without having taken Greek. And right. like you said already, you know, I have Greek in the class, but I teach it in such a way that you don't have to know Greek in order to benefit from the materials. We do our own translations, and then we 
put them to the side and we work out of out of the English. But uh, if all things being equal, where would you all put the languages, capstone or, or more toward the beginning? Um, well, I, I think in general, when it comes to the biblical languages, the all things considered, all things being equal, uh, we I would encourage students to try to start the languages earlier in their seminary experience rather than later. Um, it the particularly our biblical studies classes, um, it's almost impossible to not deal with the original text in these classes to some degree. And as much as we don't make the languages a prerequisite, it still comes out. Um, the student learning experience is still be they still benefit and they grow and they learn. Um, but they can uh, benefit all the more with the language background uh, in general. So that's my basic rule of thumb is to start with the languages earlier rather than later um, and uh, and to kind of build from that. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, one of our professors, Mark Futado, used to say that, you know, before you know the languages, reading the Bible is like watching a show in black and white. And after you learn the languages, it's still the same show. But now you're watching it in color. You know, maybe you're watching it in high def. Yeah, you know, it's a it's a well, different experience, but it's still the now. same. It's four K, four K, curved screen, not three D. I think that went out. But HDR. Yeah, you know. So, any case, I, I think that's definitely true. We teach the classes from the perspective of the English Bible, and I'll I'll, I'll interact with the Hebrew and Old Testament and Aramaic, um, but I'll use transliteration. I'll give translations of words um, as we're talking about it. I do notice the students who have had Hebrew. We'll be able to engage with that part of the class in a way that the English, you know, English Bible only students will have to sort of take on faith. Now, with that said, in my in my assignments, they do have to um, if they've had Hebrew, they do have to use the Hebrew in their mm -hmm. exegetical paper and they're expected to establish the text according to the dictates of text criticism, make those kind of decisions and interact, provide an annotated reading of the text. And so they are expected to do that if they've had the Hebrew. Yeah, I do that too for the New Testament classes. And I, I agree with everything y'all just said. And I do have, I, I'm, sh I'm sure that there is some hypothetical student out there that would decide to do their Greek or their Hebrew after, yeah. precisely because of that additional requirement. And I I encourage my students to consider it a, a problematunity. You know, yeah. this is this problematunity. A problematunity. Oh, okay. okay. a, a problem that's an opportunity. You see how that works? I, I get it now. Yeah, yes, thank it's you. the that's magic good. of English. That's good. Um, because because it seems like there's an extra extra requirement here, but because of the way the languages work, basically in Greek one, Greek two, and Greek X, Hebrews, I think the same way. By the end, you get out knowing kind of the structure of the language and some general hermeneutical principles about how to use it. But you really haven't had a lot of time to practice mm -hmm. what, what are the kinds of questions that I can ask now, given mm -hmm. that I know the languages that I wasn't right. able to ask before. You get a, a huge world of commentaries opens up to you all of a sudden when you when you know the languages. So you just, there's this you know, technicolor. It's it, you are you are Dorothy moving into right. Oz, and it's overwhelming at first. Where do you go? Well, I'm going to keep going with this analogy. You follow the yellow brick road of your exegetical <laughs> paper assignments. Th these assignments give you the opportunity to put the languages into use to practice the skills that you've learned and to hone them in a way that not only works out 
for your benefit in the paper, but hopefully will be a part of a, a tool set that you have available to you now in sermon prep and in teaching and, and um, engaging with the Word of God in the future. Great. Yeah, I totally agree. The um, And um, I, I guess the other thing I would mention when it comes to languages is the way that we do it, and I think this is specific to us here in D.C. It's interesting. We started this not um, intentionally. It was sort of pragmatic. Uh, we set up our language program, as you guys know, where you're doing all uh, of the three key language classes. So uh, Greek 1, Greek 2, Greek exegesis, or Hebrew 1, Hebrew 2, Hebrew exegesis, all in one academic year. Yeah. Uh, I don't think other campuses do that. Mm -hmm. um, and we didn't do that. Uh, initially, we didn't do that strategically. We just sort of did it out of necessity. But now that we do it every year, I actually like it and mm -hmm. I prefer it. Yeah. Um, that doesn't, it, it allows for minimal uh, windows to forget and you can yeah. constantly build. It's, the, every, it's, it's twice a week for almost, what, nine or 10 months because of the way that we cut it out. Yeah, it's, it it's is, great. It is rigorous though. And I think that's the other thing that students need to be aware of when, if they do this, um, which they should do, uh, they just need to be emotionally and scheduling and, and physically and spiritually prepared for a very long haul. It'll be one of the first classes you take that academic academic year. It'll be practically one of the last classes you take that academic year. So it is a it is a real test of endurance. Um, it is a real it, it is. But I'll tell you, the students who have done it, and and this has been my experience with Hebrew, and I'm assuming it's the same with Greek, have really felt like they've accomplished something after doing that for the first for the full year. They they really feel like they worked and gained and learned and benefited. So it is it is taxing, but there is a huge payoff at the end. Yeah. And I wouldn't and and now that we do it this way, I don't think I'd want to change it. I, I like that we do yeah. it this way. Yeah, just a little footnote here, uh, for those who as soon as we started talking about the languages, went back into kind of like fear mode. Uh, I, I can't do classes at RTS. We do offer a, a whole program, uh, the MAR, you can do you know, is your three course meal without the languages? And so you can do that and do it with, you know, integrity. Um, so that, that is available to those for whom languages might sound um, intimidating, though uh, I would echo the value of the languages that Peter just, just mentioned. And you never know, you uh, may start taking Hebrew and Greek and realize that you love the languages. Yeah, it's, not, right. it's not like learning French or Spanish in high school, nothing against those living languages, but Studying the biblical language is different, and um, uh, we're currently teaching class right now in Targumic Aramaic for two students who probably didn't see themselves as linguists, and yet yeah. as they uh, got through the program, they realized this is what I want to do. And I, we taught Ugaritic last year, and um, it, you might find that actually this is the thing that surprisingly becomes your favorite subject. A friend of mine told, taught Tolkien's uh, Elvish at seminary. Wow. That's going in a different I, direction. I, it's going, it's yeah. just going, I'm not sure. Well, anyway, uh, moving on. To, uh, just That's a, good. Yeah. I, don't, I could see that happening here if it was offered. If it was Let me just put yeah. it that way. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, so we're moving kind of to more specialized issues. You've got yeah. your general framework for scheduling, um, value system for scheduling, but uh, just tips and tips and tricks, life hacks kind of things. Uh, yeah. What do you think about global classes? Yeah, I think global classes are a great 
option, particularly if you can't get here for a face-to-face -face class. Our yeah. students almost 100% across the board. I think I've talked to one who said, I prefer online classes mm -hmm. and she was adamant about it. But other than that, most students, there's something about being in the same space as your prof and other yeah. students. You're, you're sharpening each other. You're getting to ask questions as they occur to you. And it's just a little different than the online experience. However, with that said, life does happen. And I remember taking a, a small number of online classes when I was in seminary. And that was back in the days where they'd actually mail you a box filled with tapes and you'd listen <laughs> to the tapes. Now it's much, much easier. You'll be happy to hear. Um, Do you want to define tapes for tapes, our, right. older, yeah, our younger right. listeners? Are we talking? This is not like adhesive tape. Um, yeah. But <sighs> online... Um, online classes are a great opportunity. Uh, you, as you start taking classes on a campus, if you're doing that, I would say talk to students and say, hey, have you taken online classes? Is there any that you recommend specifically? Um, there typically does kind of develop, I think at each campus, I've taught on multiple campuses at RTS, there kind of develops like, you know, hey, our, we don't offer, our campus doesn't offer this class that much or it's harder maybe if you can't take it in the summer or on the, in the evening. Um, you know, you might want to think about taking that one online. I know there's some classes that our students probably rely on because it's just to make it work with their schedule. Mm -hmm. It might be a little harder, so mm -hmm. they take it online. Don't consider that a, a negative. That's actually a positive because you're going to retain better. You're going to be trained better when your studies are not at odds with your life. Going back to your original yep. point about listening yep. to your rhythm. Um, it's not just about imbibing classes. It's about doing it in a way that is conducive to learning. And that means checking, you know, being honest about your own rea your realities yeah. and your own stresses and anxieties. Uh, as, and um, yeah, I think the, I, I really think the global classes are really great. And, um, and our global program is, is terrific. As other tips go, um, another tip that I generally give students as scheduling, uh, as, uh, as a strategy for scheduling is to take advantage of the winter term and the summer term classes, yep. uh, especially for guy, for our students who are here throughout the year. There are times when you, you have to take a, a winter class. Um, I would recommend taking just one class in the winter term. It's only four weeks generally, and the, the spring semester in uh, February is just right around the corner. Uh, generally, the the assignments will drag the due dates for assignments will drag into the spring semester, and the last thing you want to do is to have like two or three exams as you're doing spring classes. So maybe just take one, maybe two. If if you're taking advantage and only taking the intensives as they are offered, then maybe maximize it. Yeah. But for students who are here taking regular classes, mm -hmm. uh, I I really would encourage just maybe taking one, maybe two tops during yeah. the winter term. Yeah, I I agree, and I would watch you know. This is a general tip and also toward the intensive point. Take a look at the syllabus. Uh, watch those due dates. Uh, you you don't want to end up with your intensive exegetical exam being due at the same time as your Hebrew midterm. You know, so keep keep an eye on those kinds of things. Right. And and if you need, you know, if you see that a coming, you know how to better prepare when when it does come. In that same line, the summer term is different since we've got like a full three months and our summer schedule is usually pretty robust. Um, take as many summer classes as you can, maximize yeah. those usually, opportunities. It usually wraps up by July. And so you really have August 
yeah, to, to do all to the work. To get a lot right. done before yeah. the fall semester starts. You don't have that same. It's much more of a crunch in the winter. Now, you know, it's a summer, so, you know, I realize there's vacation travel uh, and things like that. But just, again, as a all things being equal, uh, I would try to maximize the summer as you can. Another tip on that note is if you're taking kind of multiple classes in a term, either as a full-time full -time student or as a part-time student, uh, do, do mix up your courses a bit. Don't load up with, I mean, keep going with the the five course meal. Don't load up on the entrees. Uh, don't load up on just the meat course. Um, do Try to give yourself a well-balanced repertoire of classes each term. And so you, ha you have some of your biblical studies courses, an ST course, and having those practical theology courses in the mix there does two things at once. One, it keeps you kind of engaged in the thing we're all aiming for, which is serving the church through shepherding the people of God. You, know, you, you, you get some tool sets there in your PT courses for actually doing the work of the ministry. It's not all in your head. You're actually exercising your hands a bit. Um, but two, those courses just seem to have a little bit less homework. They're mm -hmm. less they're less head intensive. Uh, that's not to say they're not good classes or they're not rigorous. They are, but you tend to be working with your hands more than your head. And so that it, it can depressurize that mental space required to yeah. perform well in your ST and your BT courses. That's especially true if you're taking a language. If you're doing the language, you know, you you start Hebrew 1, you're going to be doing Hebrew 2, you're going to be doing Hebrew exegesis all in the same year. You start down that path, you you know, you're running a marathon now. Prepare for that as you schedule right. your other courses. Make sure you're taking good rest stops along the way. You've got mm -hmm. space to do the work should you get behind. Um, you get behind in a, in a, uh, a biblical studies course, it's easier to catch up than if you get behind in, in Hebrew or Greek. So if you're taking one of those languages, make sure you think accordingly about the rest of your of your schedule and what you're taking. Yeah, that's good. The, uh, the last tip for me uh, is it, it's not so much a strategy of what classes to take. It's just to, um, uh, as it is more of just kind of sound advice, is to share your your schedule as before you commit to it with your family. Mm -hmm. uh, let your spouse, your children know what your schedule is going to be like. Because uh, ha we have to remember, you know, um, seminary is going to be rigorous no matter how we do this thing. And it's supposed to be. And, and I think we're shortchanging our students to not make it demanding. But that demand is, is worthwhile, but it's going to make it strain on time and uh, scheduling with family and, and, and things like that. Just make sure they're aware and, and talk to them and make sure that they sign off on on what your schedule is going to be like. On that note, the personal note, seminary is, you know, we are preparing you to get a degree. We want you to graduate. We want you to have the diploma. And that's that's what you're aiming for. That's your goal. But in pursuit of that goal, you have a community available to you here. And don't, so, I mean, I always kind of went into seminary thinking it's going to be a bunch of folks sitting around a campfire talking about theology, and we're just going to have a great time. And that's not what seminary is. It is a, it is a, it's a school. You're trying to get a degree, but in trying to get that degree, don't neglect the sitting around the campfire and right. talking about theology, the, the fun of it all, the, the partnerships that result as, as that take opportunities. We're doing more and more Chick-fil-A events, more and more, 
uh, waffle nights, waffle nights, seminary lectures, academic kind of participation and engagement as your schedule allows, uh, find opportunities to, to come out to the luau, to come out to the uh, Christmas party, those kinds of things. You get to know your, your fellow students better and you get to know them, your faculty better, and you get to know them in a way that is more organic and more relational and personal. Yeah. That's great advice. I mean, this is at the end of the day, because of our reform tradition, all of these classes are going to be different ways in which we read God's word as our guide in, in life and faith and for ministry. And we don't want to forget that as we're preparing for the exam or trying to get the paper yep. in on deadline. Yep. Don't forget that this is God's word. It doesn't return void. Treat it for what, as what it is, which is God's word, which is living and active. And that community piece, that 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 listening to your rhythms, listening to your family and your spouse as you're doing this, um, that piece will help you not only just grow in your theological inventory, which you definitely will by going to seminary. You're going to grow in how you understand ideas and stuff but grow spiritually in God's word. And we don't ever want you to start treating the scripture like it's a textbook. And I think these are all really helpful tips on how to make sure you don't do that and that it, it stays what it is, which is God's word to you, his revelation to you. Yeah, for for me, I'll tell you, I, I loved seminary as a student. I, I love being here as a professor. I loved it as a student. Uh, it was one of the best times of life for me. It is as, as it is now, and and I really could not encourage people to take classes and just absorb the environment here as much as they possibly can. It it is it can be, I hope and I pray, a the best time of life for our students as well. The last I think for me, encourage word of encouragement, a tip that I would give is for students is to not struggle through uh, scheduling. Uh, or the strategy of scheduling alone. Um, as uh, Tommy, I think, mentioned at the very start, it, it looks like a buffet, and, and it's really intimidating to know where to start if you're going, particularly part-time. Don't struggle through it, uh, that alone. Uh, come talk to us. Um, come talk to all any of us here. Uh, uh, we love to sit down and talk to you guys and help students to kind of work out what is the best kind of options of classes from semester to semester, uh, come up with a kind of an annual strategy of how to kind of schedule classes for the year, and then maybe even long-term strategy. So you have at least a roadmap, a, a game plan. It, it may change from semester to semester or to year to year, but at least it gives you some direction. And and this is a type of thing that I know that uh, we do all the time. We talk to students all the time about scheduling. So that's the other thing. Take advantage of us as faculty. Uh, you, um, come and meet with us and, and help us kind of work that with you in terms of how to make your schedule from semester to semester. That's great. Yeah, we should title this episode Office Hours. This, this, feels, like this feels like a lot of the conversations that I'm having when I'm having office hours on campus. Mm -hmm. So we consider this the beginning of that conversation. Uh, if you want to follow up with us, please come and track us down. Whether or not you're an RTS student um, or you're uh, you know, considering coming to RTS, we'd love to have that conversation with you. And it's been great to have this conversation today. So thanks for that, my friends and colleagues. And I look forward to being again together next week. Until then, take care.
And in general, what I recommend is just take one in the winter. Don't take more than that because. Um, you want to hold on a second? Sorry. Yeah. I think he's going to be dragging stuff. That wasn't me. That was uh, the, the, the guy working on the HVAC. So. If you hear construction in the background, it's because we're always working here at RTS. We're always, we're always building something new. Uh -huh. We're plussing. We're always improving. We're plussing. We're never done. We're never finished project. We're always sanctifying. That's what, you ever know, Peggy Newton, the old speechwriter in the Reagan White House, said that about DC. There's always a crane on the horizon because DC is always remaking itself. Well, Same is true at RTS. DC. Indeed. We're always, we're indeed. always remaking ourselves. I don't know how to pick up where I left off. <laughs> you were saying, um, what are you saying? I can't remember. I stopped listening. <laughs> Maybe I got to start over here. And, uh... I think it was something like that. Uh, no, you were, I, was, I was listening to you. And then I was saying to take, oh, I was saying take one class in the winter term. Yeah, yeah. take one class. That's where you left off. That's right. Maybe I'll just start off with that. 